Hello, my be in demand listeners. I have a treat for you. I know a lot of times, you know, when we start to get in front of the camera, it can be really nerve wracking, especially if you happen to be a shy person like myself and, you know, being a natural in the camera, you know, doesn't come easy to all of us which is why I've got a special guest who's actually going to talk a lot about this, how to get comfortable in front of the camera, how to actually feel confident and be able to deliver your message. Let's get on to the show. You're listening to Be In Demand, the podcast for honest advice, inspiring stories, and ideas for growing your business by leveraging the expert that you are. I'm your host, Loria Mirabito, business mentor, and I'm also a reformed painfully shy girl red wine lover, and exercise enthusiast. Join me as I share how being positioned as the expert in your industry, even if it's a busy one, will help you stand out and be the one in demand to hire and work with. So welcome, welcome. I am so excited about this, the interview that we are about to do, because my guest is a former deer in the headlight when it comes to making videos or even speaking in public. She was actually so terrified to record her first video that she walked straight out of the room where the camera was set up. So we're going to have to talk a little bit more about that particular story, you know, but over time, she has found an effective method on how to get really comfortable on camera and sharing techniques with, with us from her confidence creation framework. That's what she's going to be sharing with us today, along with, I'm hoping that we will touch on the pirate technique of doing live videos. Doesn't that sound fun? You know, but since 2013, she has been training professionals to speak with confidence in conversations, presentations, and on video. She has worked with all levels and types from the CEO to the solo business owner. Her happy place is on top of the Swiss mountains with nothing more than a chocolate bar and a bottle of water watching the stunning view after a steep climb. So please help me welcome Elsevina. Thank you for, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited and uh, yeah, really look forward to it. So as you all can can hear, she um, does have a different accent and sounds like she is not from the U.S. So tell people where you're from. I am from the Netherlands and currently also in the Netherlands. Um, my big, big dream is to live in Switzerland or someplace where there are mountains because I just love mountains. But uh, for now, it's uh, here in the Netherlands. I have, a, I have an infatuation and a love affair with mountains also you know like here in new england they're more like hills compared to they're definitely hills compared to switzerland or even the rocky mountains that are here in the u.s but um give us like a little snippet about your background because it's i know like people are always surprised to hear that you laurianne you were shy at one point and now here I am, like, I feel comfortable, like on camera, but I've also spoken on stages, you know, you know, like to hundreds and thousands of people. So just kind of like give us a little snippet. Yeah. So for me, this all started when I was a student and I had to find something out from uh, the head of university. No problem. You know, you just woke up to the guy and everybody was sort of scared. But then I stepped back into the room with 90 pairs of eyes staring at me. And I got this blackout 
and I don't know, some of the listeners might relate, like when all the people are staring at you, it feels so scary. And there was just this disconnect in my brain. And I, up until today, I don't know what I really, I said something, but I don't know what I said. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should do something about this because this might happen more often in the future. So I did a training and one of the evenings introduces to a debating club. So that is my first introduction to public speaking is actually debating. Uh, Did you ever do debating uh, by any chance? I didn't, but I do. um, When I lived overseas, the, uh, the school that I was at, they actually wanted me to join the debate team, but I think I was just like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah. So I, we visited that group and I was in all, uh, also because we, we were just back then all the education was in Dutch. Now there's much, much more in English, but back then it was just in Dutch and this group, they debated in English and I just sat there. So like, wow, these people can speak and it's so eloquent and it has a beginning and an end and it's entertaining and, Wow. So I joined the club and then the first four evenings I sat on the bench because I still did dare to step up there. But then I started doing it and we had a sister club in Rotterdam. So I was in Utrecht and they were the only two who debated in English. And I went very quickly uh, to the board and in the organization and I met a guy in the board in Rotterdam. And this year, well, in two weeks, we celebrate our 23rd anniversary <laughs> that of our first date. We Fantastic. always celebrate uh, our first date. So that's another benefit that I got from uh, debating. Um, and when it comes to speaking, it is really different because the debating gives you the techniques, but it's not personal. You know, you're given a motion like uh, we should reinstate, uh, reinstate the death penalty in all states, for example. And then it says like, you are proposition, you are opposition, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> like, you have the, like you have 10 minutes and regardless of your own opinion, you have to get up and speak. Yeah. But when you are giving a training or you a speech or whatever, it's usually more either a story from yourself or a training that you created mm-hmm. and it feels different so there was still even though I got more used to speaking to groups it was still scary <laughs> and I was still uncomfortable even though I did years of training back then my focus was on health so I had studied orthomolecular therapy which is as much as how does your body function and how do nutrients have an effect on that and especially how that works with stress and burnout so I was doing preventive training for groups and corporate on on like how to prevent (laughs) to get burnout basically Um, and then at some point I thought well there was the recession was going on was this years ago so people were not investing in like preventing things like this you know there was no excess money for it and I thought well how about I create an online training then I can reach a lot of people, help them cope with stress, and the price can be lower. So I borrowed the tripod, set up our handicam that we had. Just start with what you have, right? Right. That's my philosophy also. <laughs> yeah, use what you have first. I actually had a duvet cover 
as a backdrop because it was the only thing big enough to cover the closet behind me. And then I walked out of the room. I was so scared. The camera was staring at me with this big lens and it felt right back as if I was in the classroom again with the 90 pairs of eyes. And even more, sorry, <laughs> it's a bit warm in here and dry. You know, I'll well, while you take a sip, I'll I'll just kind of um, inject here that I part of like when I was younger, the reason why I I started was like I just knew, like intuitively knew that being shy and not being able to make eye contact and looking at the floor was not going to serve me in the long run. And I'm talking like I was probably 15, 16 years old when I had this realization and. For me, it was, let me just look at somebody for a few seconds, look away, like as they were talking to me. And I guess I was like, you know, Lorianne, you didn't die. You didn't die those few seconds looking at that person. They didn't say anything nasty to you. Thank goodness, you know, because that would have been like probably reinforced my shyness. But that was how I slowly like got, got over this shyness and just being able to look people in the eyes like now. I had like, you know, like body language says so much. And if somebody can't look me in the eye, I'm just like, like, what are you hiding? So, you know, like, I'm so glad that I had that intuition when I was younger and that I actually followed through with it. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I think at some point, not everyone, but almost everyone has this in some shape or form that they, whether, whether it's maybe for bigger groups so I, I work with people one-on-one -on -one and some people say like you know the big groups are okay for me because it's just in sort of anonymous blur but when I have to speak to someone and pitch my services or just one-on-one -on -one with a stranger having a meaningful conversation for them then they start to look away and do these things because then they feel uncomfortable so it's different for everyone sort of what fe what feels like speaking Agreed. to other people um, I completely agree for, for one of the things about, about myself was that when I would go to networking, um, groups, you know, like for networking events for my business, I dislike the one-on-one -on -one conversations with strangers, but you could put me up in front of the room. Let me talk to everybody at once, you know, and at the end I would say, Hey, Hey, if you want to like, talk to me a little bit more, I'll be in the back of the room. I mean, to me, like that was more of my preference versus one-on-one -on -one. isn't that funny oh, yeah for me it was the other way around so one-on-one -on -one, like I said famous people or not I didn't care just like like some people have this fear of like oh these are like c-suite professionals oh you know like the higher-ups or I'm like they're just people I just walk up to anyone and talk to them sort of the same whether it's just whether it's a janitor or the ceo you know it's, 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 it's sort of this it, it doesn't feel much different for me or I don't feel scared or held back. But for me, in, the, in a room full of people, I would just like suddenly it was as if the, sort of the energy sort of compiled up from everyone together. And it was like to sort of, yeah, I don't know why. And with, with the video, I felt like 10,000 people would be watching, even though I knew with my mind, like maybe five people would see the video or maybe 20 if they did, but not like 10,000 right off the bat. <laughs> right. But it did feel like that. It was so, I was so scared. I literally 
just walked out the room and said, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, one of the things that, that I tell my clients is to make friends with fear. Like, mm -hmm. because that fear of like, just before you get up to get up in front of the camera or get up uh, like on the stage or on, on zoom, you know, with anybody, you know, it's just like, I, I was like, if I didn't get nervous, then I'm going to get scared. <laughs> you know, because it's just part of like the way that our body reacts. And I think it's, it's part of that fight or flight, you know, where, you know, it's hard to believe, but if you like got onto a stage and all of a sudden, like, you know, there was a fire drill, you know, you don't want to be sitting there saying, well, I wonder if I should just continue on with my presentation. If everybody will still pay attention to me. No, like, like all like that increase in heart rate, that increase in blood pressure, you know, increase in breathing rate, like helps you respond to that quicker. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. Um, so there, there's a fine line between, you know, you have the excitement. And I know so many famous actors, performers, people who sing or play plays for the audience, they still have this as well. And it sort of gets you into this energy to be a little bit bigger so that what you present sort of really comes across on stage. But then when it goes to being too much, it can really sort of start to hold you back. So one of the things I like to do is sort of to come loose from that fear. Mm -hmm. So ex so some people want to sort of, I like the idea what you said about making friends as well. Um, but some people sort of want to fear to go away. And I like to sort of acknowledge that it's there. And one of the things I work with is an even though sen uh, sentence or like it's um, a template as you will, if you will. Uh, so you have this fear whatever name you give it, uh, even though I have this fear, I know I will inspire my audience, something like that. And to, to repeat that for yourself. So that doesn't make the fear go away, but it puts the focus more on the outcome. So what you do is bigger than the fear. And yeah, well, the fear can be there, but we do it anyway. And of course, this, this, this excitement that we have, that is what we need to perform but we, it mustn't get so big that we, we cannot perform anymore because of the anxiety or we even, and I see that in my clients as well, that they avoid situations. They sort of feel it's too scary to handle and they just say no to opportunities. Yes, 100%. So <laughs> let's just talk about making videos for your business. You know, in your opinion, and like, you know, like you've written a book on, on, you know, getting, getting comfortable in front of the camera. Like, why is it so important? Like, let's, I want my listeners to hear your point of view. Why is it so important to be making videos for your business? Yeah. So it is such a powerful way to make a connection with your audience, because like you, you just addressed it before we have this body language, we have our voice, we have the way well, my accent, we talked about that. So some people might not like my accent, but if they only see written posts from me on the internet and a picture from me or what have you, they might think, oh, interesting person. They reach out to me for an initial call or to check out my work. And then they're like, nah, she's not for me. And then you find that out, like it took so much time. It's, it's a waste of time for the both of you. And on the other hand, Sometimes I see a post from someone, I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. And then I see a video and I instantly sort of fall in love a little bit with them. So in my book, I talk about no love trust. It's such a powerful way to have people get to know you better, 
fall fall in love with you or your work basically so in a business kind of way like you know you sort of become your fan and trust you more because it's really different also because a video no one can your, do your video for you <laughs> but right. a lot of people can write your content for you so when you see a video you know it's that person and you will feel more connected with them or not that's fine because we we are not for everybody but we are for the right people and with videos you can really focus more on the, the right people who will feel attract, attracted to you in the for the business for working with you and repelled by you are the people who would never work with you anyway and that is a big time saver so those are a few of the advantages i think um why video is important and of course because of the visibility i remember much better when i see a video from someone or if i only see written posts something about that visual stuff you know and my listeners know that i'm so into neuroscience and i remember hearing this um the stat about books you know the difference between electronic books versus you know like actual physical books and it was so true, like I could be looking for a quote or a particular note that I wrote in a physical book. Like I'll even remember what side of the page it was on. It was on the right side, it was on the left side. So something about that visual stuff. And just because, you know, for my, all of my people who are more into like all those numbers, you know, the stats also say that people are six times more likely to watch a video than to read something. I mean, I kind of mm. think that means we're a little bit lazy, but also it's just way, it's just so much more efficient, you know, like, let me like watch someone and you're right. Like, it's just so easy to fall in love with somebody when you, when you, when you hear them speak, when you, when you can sense their passion, which is part of the reason why, you know, this is my podcast, but you know, why I, when I have a guest on here, like I do this on video because I want people to be able to watch this over on YouTube whenever they want. Yeah, that is so true. I also listened to uh, another podcast from an actor who interviews other actors. So I listen to them outside regularly, but there are elements of like, oh, I, I must look this up on YouTube because it's also on YouTube because I want to see like their expression and what they talk about. And yeah how they are on video so and one of my tips is to because we we do love to listen to videos but also our attention span is relatively short so what we often see is that shorter videos do better so you can do a longer video now and then but it also takes more work for you to do the longer video and if people watch it there are not many people who watch really the whole video from beginning to end so if you have an eight minute video with four tips, I would say clip them up and make like four, one and a half minute videos with one tip each. The benefit is you have more content to share out, to, to share on the different platforms. Uh, people will probably watch the whole thing because like a minute or a minute and a half, they're like, oh, you know, and there's one thing they get out of this. It's really focused instead of like overwhelmed, like, oh, four tips. And then they have even if they have listened they're like oh where do i start so i have to focus on one thing you have more content and more people will actually watch your videos so that is how i approach it anyway i know there are more uh, more ways to look at uh, look at it but i want to really keep it short 
Yeah, I hundred percent. I agree with that. There've been many times that I've like gone to search for something, you know, and Google will send me over to YouTube and then I'll be like 20 minutes. I don't want to listen to 20 minutes. You know, I mean, granted the software now with Google, like they're bringing you right to that point in the video, but still the point is I'm just, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to listen to a 20 minute video. (laughs) So I totally agree with the, like, keep them short. Here's that one tip that I want you to walk away with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, in my introduction to you, you talked about this and this is really intriguing me. What's this pirate thing? Oh, yes. It's actually an acronym. So it's, um, I have my book here, by the way, it's the proof print. So there is still a not for resale bar on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, for uh, everybody who's listening, her new book, Get Comfortable on Camera is just about to come out. Uh, at the recording of this. So chances are by the time that this podcast goes live, you will be able to snag a copy of her book. Probably. So you can, if you can in the, on the camera edition, I can show it. Yeah. So this is that's the pirate pirate technique. Won't you you read it off for the people who are just going to be listening to this? Yes. Um, So it's the pirate technique of doing live videos because live videos are thing in itself so live videos are longer obviously and the main element for life is interaction i've been on a live where someone ignored all the comments and i just hopped off i was like why are you making a live video um if you don't interact with people at all you know why not just record the video and share it with them so interaction is a really good one so the pirate technique the p stands for prepare your content and check your tech. So be prepared, know what you're going to talk about. Don't write it out, don't read, but just have your bullets ready. Like, oh, in this live session, I'm going to go for this, this, and this. And check your sound, your background, etc. You have everything ready. Um, it, I will get to the E where something always goes wrong, but whatever you can prepare beforehand, you know, mm-hmm. that's good to have. So the I is for interaction, of course. So interact with the comments. But and how to do that is R. So the way I do it is I read the comments because what you often see is um, people saying, yeah, Mary, that's a good point. Yes, um, Sam, indeed. And when comments are coming in thick and fast, people won't see it. And people who watch the replay they also have no clue. So if you say things like that, people will be going like, what are they talking about? Or you're answering a question. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed, that's the best way of doing it. So, and you're like, what, what, what? <laughs> What's the best yeah. way? I wanna know. Okay. So I, I usually um, talk a lot about making eye contact and you see us do that a lot here as well. Make eye contact through the camera. So the exception is uh, no reading. But of course, it's different when you read comments. So when there's a comment and you say, says, oh, Mary asks, what type of lights should I be using when I record outside? Excellent question, Mary. Let me answer it for you. So you read, you say, preferably you say the person's name so they know you're, you're taking on their thing. You read the question and then you go back to making that connection with um with entering that. 
Um, a stands for ask a lot of questions and input. So in between, when you're doing a live, you can say, so, well, we were talking about hiking in the mountains before. You can ask a question like, do you live near um, a mountain area or do you like to hike or what's the highest place you've been on? You know, things like that. And then people can answer in the comments so that in a live that really prompts the interaction more and you don't have to ask all the time or like raise your hand if as a sort of trick but make it more interactive than if you do an educational video and bring them on board wonderful what's t t is timing timing so some something i see a lot is um people start a sentence get distracted by a comment and mid-sentence sort of start doing the, the comment and then lose their track i sometimes do that still but it helps to sort of focus and it helps then when you have this eye connection with the lens so you see the comments in the corner of your eye but you don't really read the comments just yet so you will just then say like oh i will finish my sentence i will check the comments in a minute so you you decide the timing and it's not sort of just something that overcomes you Great. or what's happening what's, to you and what's the last one and the e is expected to go wrong <laughs> right i always say that too and and again that's what just being it's like improv you yeah. know it's it like life really is improv and that's what i tell you know like my clients also yeah you know, absolutely to, you know be up there on stage because you know, being in the speaking world, like, you know, fire alarms do happen. Um, people like, you know, I've been there where we had to call an ambulance because somebody passed out, you know, and to be able to like, you know, be able to just expect it and just be able to handle it like a professional. So exactly. That's, be flexible. That's and then you can have, so what I say is address it. Like you say, whatever happens, don't, don't do weird about it. Just say it happened. So mm -hmm. <laughs> So those are some really good tips. I really like that pirate acronym. So, but here's the thing. If somebody's using Zoom to do their lives, you don't see comments. So like, what's your advice about, you know, like, how are you going to see the comments? Yeah. So usually when you do on Zoom, maybe you're streaming into a group. So then you can have a second screen. So when you're on your laptop, you can have your phone at hand. And if you go on Zoom on your phone, you can have your laptop or a tablet. Mm -hmm. something at hand and then here comes the timing aspect again so you just do your thing and then you say like okay i'm gonna check for comments now and then you have your phone and you'll be like going to the group put off the sound otherwise it will be this really really nasty <laughs> sound yeah because you hear yourself from the, the other device basically so i have the sound off on that device and just then check for the comments and do it the same way and say like, oh, Bob, this and this question. Cool. One of the and things then... that I've been doing and totally 100% agree with that you've got to put the volume down because you have to expect the delay. So if, if anybody who's watching this or listening to this has not done a Facebook Live, there is there is about a 30 second delay from what I say to when somebody actually sees sees and hears that part but I've been hanging my phone up on the edge of my laptop here so that I can actually see the comments, you know, without having to like pick up a phone, you know, and like, I like to, you know, I personally like to maintain that eye contact. So I felt like having it like right there in front of me, you know, has been super helpful. 
Yeah, yeah, and actually in the book I've written the delay the other way around as well, because it takes a little bit of time before there's delay between they hear it, but also um, like when you say, for example, are there any more questions before I move on to the next subject? And then also like between 20, 25 seconds, and then this person waits like eight seconds and then like, no questions. Okay, let's go on. And then right. all these questions start popping right. in. Right. So that is something so that, to, to take into account. Indeed, when you ask a question, it takes a little bit for them to answer. Also, yeah. And because of this delay that you, uh, <laughs> that you talked about. Yeah. So I always tell people like, you know, like ask the question and maybe just kind of like, you have to continue talking you know, either talking about like maybe a common question that people do ask, you know, that you, or just even just reiterating what you have been talking about or how to apply this information so that you're just kind of like filling that spot in between, you know, like you've asked the question, they need to receive and, and hear that. And then there's the time that, you know, it takes for them to like, here's my question, like to actually type it in. Yeah. So it's like, there's a lot to think about when you are going live um, in particular, but just like, what's a, what's one tip that you can give my listeners about like a gold nugget to walk away with that, like do this and you'll feel more confident in front of the camera. In general, or do you mean with live videos? <clears throat> Either or. Either or. Okay. So one thing I really find that has helped a lot of people is to actually picture one person that you love that you're speaking to <clears throat> that made a big difference for many people. Because like, like I said in the beginning, like this feeling of 10,000 people watching you, um, things like that, it can feel overwhelming. Mm. Or you've, you have this device in front of you and you've, you it, it sounds a bit robotic or static how you're speaking because you don't feel the interaction. So it, it feels less scary and you bring in more warmth and connection when you actually picture either your, your favorite client or your best friend and they're sitting across from you at the table. So that's why I always say look through the lens, not at the lens, because it's an energetic thing. You know, when your energy sort of stops at the lens, like, oh, I'm speaking. And a lot of people look like beside the lens and they're, they're speaking like this. Yes. They look at themselves. It's, I always lose that connection. And someone just on LinkedIn today did a post and she tagged me in it that I gave her that tip. And she, she noticed so many people still looking beside the lens. And she said, well, since you said that, <laughs> I even extra notice when people are looking beside the lens. But then some people are like, oh, here's this lens. It's really technical. And then they talk here. And it, it sounds more sort of less conversational, probably. So what I like to do is actually look through that lens and picture a person and they are there nodding as if we were sitting there together on Zoom. They're active listeners. They're smiling. They're nodding. And yeah, it, it feels so much more conversational, which, which is which helps with it being less scary and you just feel more confident because you have a talk with your favorite clients. That's great advice. I do remember from, um, I had taken some modeling classes and I remember one of the tips that the instructor gave was not to look at the lens, but beyond, beyond the camera, you know, like if you've got the photographer and so they were like, you know, like, look at it, like aim to look at their shoulder or like the top of their head, 
you know, instead. And it's interesting that you also bring this up because I remember hearing a story and I don't, I don't really know if this is true, but it, it kind of sounds like it would be that when Gary V started doing live video that, you know, like, like most of us, you feel like, I feel like I'm talking to myself. And so apparently what he did was he put a teddy bear on like a, a, a chair or a bar stool, like be, you know, like again, beyond the camera. So we felt like he was talking to someone. <laughs> so yeah, just like whatever tricks that you have to come up with. I've used when I first started doing my podcast, you know, my first few episodes, I'm talking to myself in my walk-in closet. Talk about feeling awkward. So I grabbed some pictures of me with friends and I actually stuck them you know, like where I could see them so that I felt like, just like you said, like, feel like you're having an engaging conversation with a human. Exactly. And actually some people, well, the, the bear story I didn't hear before, but it could very well be true, I think. And it could very well work as well. So I hear some people who are somewhere in, like, like you said, a closet or in, in a room where you have a wall and they hang act, an actual picture of their best friend or of, their, of a client behind that camera just to as a reminder like oh that's who I'm talking to right right I love that can you tell our listeners and our viewers here on YouTube where they can find more information about you and maybe even snag a copy of your book yeah so the book is called get comfortable on camera and uh, the, the book website is get comfortable on camera and uh, I also have uh, elzevina.com, which is my own website. And the other one is just a book website. And uh, yeah, I think by the time this comes out, I hope it has all worked out technically on the site as well. The book will be available on Amazon. Uh, it will be in paperback and as a Kindle version. Um, and we'll and make sure that all of those, um, all that information, all those links are down in the show notes. So Elsevina, I have a couple of other questions for you. Mm -hmm. Super curious. Besides your own, what books are on your nightstand that you are reading right now? Um, well, uh, actually, I am reading Chillpreneur from Denise Duffel Thomas. It's a business book. And one of my favorite authors is Jill Mensel. She writes Chicklets. It's a bit like Sophie Kinsella. It's like a romantic comedy, but then in a book. It's how I always describe them. And um, there was actually, if there are listeners who like Jill Mansell and they have the book, A Walk in the Park, uh, take a look at the dedication. Um, Why is you that? You might see a name you recognize. <laughs> yeah, no, it says to the lovely Elsevina. And it's always been my dream to have a dedication in a book. And with that book, I did. So that has been really uh, good. And I'm also reading um, a a book called Mountains and Magic. That was uh, a tip from someone. I did a post on LinkedIn recently, like, do you prefer Kindle or real books? And then there were a whole book conversations and someone gave this book tip. So I am currently reading that book as well. Fantastic. Um, I do like Denise. I, I like her books as well. And I can say when you dedicate a book, I my first two books were dedicated to my sister because um, of her inspiration and always cheering me on. That girl has sold more of those books just because it was dedicated to her. Again, that, that's, how, that's how she also sold it. She goes, not only is it a good book, but it's also dedicated to me. So you want to get that. <laughs> that's great. What's one piece of advice 
that you know now that you wish you'd learned years ago? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think don't be bothered by the trolls. Mm -hmm. Either ignore them or use their energy to propel you forward. I love that. That is really, that's awesome advice. That is something that, yeah, I wish that I had, I wish somebody had taught me that um, years ago as well. I can only imagine like how many uh, obstacles I would have broken through, you know, because it's amazing how it really does hold you back. Elsevina, thank you so much for being on this special podcast and sharing your latest book and all of your wonderful, wonderful tips. I'm sure that my people are going to, you know, like hop on over to your website and start following this woman and learn from her. So thank you so much until next week. You guys have a great week. My in-demand listeners. Thanks for hanging out with me. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And join me over in my private Facebook group for more tips, community, and free trainings. You'll find the link in the show notes. You can also help this podcast reach more listeners by leaving a review. And as a thank you, each month I pick one of my reviewers to win a free coaching call with me. So if you haven't done so already, please leave a review and you could be the next winner.